Hello and welcome to the Irish Film London podcast, your fortnightly catch-up on what's happening in the world of Irish film with all the latest Irish film news and interviews with some of the best names the Irish film industry has to offer. I said Irish film a lot in that intro. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Neve Brannigan and I'm joined by Jerry Maguire. Hello. Uh, but, but before we dive into this week's episode, we have a bit of sad news, don't we, Jerry? We do, yeah. It is with very heavy hearts that unfortunately we have to tell you this is the last ever episode of the IFL podcast. It's the end of an era, unfortunately, but sometimes all good things have to come to an end. Um, but it's been real. It's been a lot of fun. It has been a lot of fun. We've spoken to a lot of amazing people on this mm-hmm. podcast. I'm very proud of it, actually. Yeah, there's been, yeah, just really like great interviews. It's been amazing getting to meet, even if it's just virtually, meet so many talented people. Mm. Um, and even if sometimes that came along with very stressful editing deadlines or dodgy mics or dodgy guests dodgy guests you know (laughs) we can say anything now it's finished it's fine we can say anything but it's no no, it's it's been really really special i think and um i mean look the episodes are always always going to be there so it would be really nice to to revisit loads of um old ones especially i think will be nice i think so yeah and thank you to everyone who has been a part of it who's been a guest who's been a listener who's contributed to making it happen um we really appreciate all of you definitely absolutely uh but in this week's episode um, we will be sharing a uh, recorded interview with the filmmakers and cast of the new Irish drama Lakelands, which is out in cinemas today. Um, it's about a footballer called Keane who gets attacked on a night out and it's about him struggling to come to terms with a possible career ending injury. And I have to say, I'm I'm very proud of this interview and I think it's a really great one to finish on, to be honest. And the guys are just so brilliant and interesting and talented and i think it's always there's something always really special about interviewing new talent as well yeah um and to be able to witness what they're going to do next and to say oh we had them on you know yeah and so i think that's a really nice one i have Uh, to say i've been really looking forward to listening to this one as well so mm, that's good right so before we dive in to the interview Let's catch up with what's been happening in the Irish film world uh, over the last couple of weeks. Um, So big weekend, actually. Um, This weekend, the IFTAs are on. And one category that's really cool is the Rising Star Award. Mm. And two of those nominees are in this episode, which is very, very cool. (laughs) So Danielle Galligan and Aina Hardwick are nominated for the Rising Star Award, along with Daryl McCormack. And we were ahead of the game with him, weren't we, Jerry? Oh, completely, yeah. We gave Daryl, or rather, Roz Hubbard gave Daryl her her award at the Irish Film London Award Ceremony back in November 2022. She chose him as her award recipient. Um, Roz gives that award every year to a rising star in the world of Irish acting. Um, And yeah, we had a a beautiful little sort of acceptance speech from Daryl that he filmed on location in Belfast where he was shooting something. Um, Yeah, and since then, he's he's kind of got a lot of recognition. Like he got his Mm. BAFTA noms and he got some, a lot of BIF recognition. Um, IFTA's picked up on that now as well you know mm. he's been in a lot of big things and he continues to be a true rising star so yeah I'm very happy that we were able to do that as well Definitely and we also had Captain Ferguson on here as well mm. who's also nominated 
Um, and like to be honest just looking at all of the nominees we've had about 90% of the nominees on this podcast which is really really cool we've yeah. had Emma Reynolds and Sean Dunn and Anna Rogers and we had Alison Oliver to Frank Berry and like we've really covered a lot of ground we which have, I think yeah. is, is, is very <laughs> very very cool to look back on Yeah. Um, but this week also there was some Irish film trailers that dropped this week there were indeed yeah so one that we briefly mentioned last time uh, it's the trailer for the new Michael Fassbender starring film mm-hmm. so it's called Next Goal Wins it also stars Elizabeth Moss who you might remember from uh the handmaid's tale i nearly forgot what it was called yeah <laughs> you got handmaid's it you got tale. It. yeah i got there it's going to be directed by taika watiti uh it's the story of the american samoa football team who famously lost 31 nil in the 2001 world cup and then came on to have a sort of uh i think of it as like the cool runnings of soccer um they, it's like their comeback Amazing. story in 2004 i think tyke is the best guy to do a kind of story like that but it's very exciting yeah. to see michael fassbender back behind uh, in front of mm. the camera rather in a big budget thing definitely that would be really really cool mm. What else have we got? We've also got the first images released from uh, Irish kind of super studio Element Pictures. They're working again with Greek uh, director Yorgos Lanthimos, who you might remember from Dogtooth and The Lobster and all these great films. Uh, Mm. This new one's called Poor Things, and you can find the first pictures of that online. It looks quite sumptuous and beautiful. Mm. And if it's anything like Lanthimos's previous films, it's going to be a big deal so we're going to look out for that uh what else have we got here was we've got some more barry keoghan news he's been announced for the gladiator sequel alongside paul mescal i think we maybe already mentioned that last time but this week he's also been announced to star in season three of the london gangster drama top boy which will be on netflix so if anyone knows top boy it's been a really big deal first on channel Mm. four then picked up on netflix it's an absolutely huge series and for barry to be a part of that i think is very exciting especially for the irish film london connection Absolutely. And I think, yeah, just casual gladiator thrown in there as well. Like, I mean, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, doing pretty well. It's very, very, very cool to see. And also, we want to say congratulations to producer Catherine Kennedy. Um, She is the producer of the documentary Atomic Hope. um, And she was uh, selected to be Ireland's producer on the move at the 2023 Cannes Film Festival. So that's always really, really cool as well to see producers who've been working in the game for a long time, Mm -hmm. getting the recognition and really uh, making moves, which is really, really cool. Yeah. And in Irish Film London news, um, you've had a big few weeks. How did the North Circular kind of tour go? Oh, yeah. I mean, that was just so much fun. So last weekend, yeah, Mm -hmm. um, don't even know what day of the week it is because I've been on the road so much. But Mm. we went to Newcastle, Glasgow, Edinburgh, Dundee, met some brilliant people, had some really engaged audience Q&A sessions, um, met sort of Irish diaspora people in all those cities, spoke to amazing Q&A hosts like Ashley Horner from Pinball Films, Anthony Baxter from 
you've the the documentary you've been trumped emma pollock from the chemical underground mj mccarthy joined us with emma in uh in glasgow we were really lucky to sit down with uh the filmmaker and musician aidan o'rourke in edinburgh who was there with the film's editor john murphy and that q a was hosted by sarah smith from screen scotland myself and luke were there for all of those it was mm. just really fun and uh, we managed to get a number of stickers on lampposts in every city <laughs> just <laughs> um, tagging everywhere just yeah just a little bit of casual fly posting um a couple of nice dinners and stuff like that it was really nice it was really nice oh, and then directly much. after that i mean i got home from dundee on tuesday afternoon picked mm. my kid up from school and then on wednesday i packed a separate bag to go into the rio in dalston for uh, a big screening we were doing of nothing compares which is oh. Catherine ferguson's film that she's got the if, if the rising star nomination for mm-hmm. um yeah i mean that was lovely we've wanted to do nothing compares basically since like a year and a half ago um we interviewed Catherine on this podcast almost a year ago i think didn't yeah we? It fe- well it feels like that <laughs> yeah but I mean, yeah I- and if anyone then obviously went to it and i know obviously with the q a and everything but definitely give that podcast a listen because she's yeah. just so interesting and so talented yeah absolutely brilliant. but that q a was was really amazing as well it was Catherine and the film's producer eleanor emtage and the two of them were speaking on stage to actress katrina balf who you might know as the mommy from belfast mm-hmm. um just a just a lovely night a lovely right. night all together uh, a huge audience at the Rio um, and yeah thank you to everyone at the Rio who helped to put it together and make it happen and to all the audiences that came out absolutely and I think you know just to say although we're not continuing with the podcast definitely make sure to still keep up with all of the different events that we're going to be doing and you can do that on irishfilmlondon.com forward slash events and also keep an eye out on all of our social medias and stuff like that because just because we might be bowing out doesn't mean that um, you know anything else will be so definitely keep up with everything else that we're doing but one big thing obviously that will be happening is our annual um, festival in November and uh, submissions are still open for that. Uh, is this still early bird? Still early bird until another week or so. So okay. if you want to get the best value for money, head to filmfreeway.com forward slash Irish Film Festival London. Get your entries in now. Once again, really need to say thank you to everyone who has been listening or who has submitted their film early. It's an amazing pool of submissions, a massive pool of submissions so far and it's it's making for a very exciting festival already but you've got another couple of weeks or another week or so anyway to get the best value for money um head on over to film freeway uh, for your chance to screen your film in the uk's largest festival of irish film culture Mm, and remember that all selected films are automatically in the running for the Irish Film London Awards taking place in the MC of Ireland in Victoria courtesy of ambassador Martin Fraser which is always a good time yeah but I think that's it that's it yeah so we're gonna be signing off I feel like we should sing or something We should have a little maybe, jingle. <laughs> maybe maybe we'll sign off and then I'll 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 sing to you later on. Okay. okay. Yeah. I'll just I'll I'll put you on mute. I'll um, send you but... like a WhatsApp audio recording and you can like delete it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is with very heavy hearts that we are signing off for the last time. I am Neve Brannigan. And I'm Jerry Maguire. 
and this has been the Irish Film London podcast. Enjoy, everyone. Oh, that was very sad. Hello and welcome to the Irish Film London podcast. I'm Neve Brannigan and I'm joined with the full crew. I'm so lucky to get the full crew of uh, the debut feature from Robert Higgins and Patrick McGivney, Lakelands. I'm also joined with the two stars, Aina Hardwick and Danielle Galligan. Thank you guys so much for coming on to chat to me this morning. Thanks for having us. No worries at all. So we'll go right back and then we'll we'll make our way through. Um, Patrick and Robert, how did this dynamic duo come about because I know you guys were childhood friends so is it something that you guys always knew that you wanted to do or did it just kind of develop and grow um I guess it was kind of an organic process that um it came it went a little bit of a windy way I suppose we were just mates first for a long time and I guess growing up it's something you talk about a little bit when you're out in the pub or out in the fields in our case in Longford but uh (laughs) You would just chat about these kind of mad ideas and stuff like that. But I guess we kind of got sidetracked then for quite a while when both of us worked up in the city for a long time, Paddy in finance, I was in marketing PR. And I guess neither of us were really getting that satisfaction from our career paths. So we would have been talking a lot more and more about a film and making a film. And I've been writing for years, but it was like, I suppose when myself and Paddy sat down and just started writing, uh, we started kind of felt like we were hitting upon something and we kind of went out then just started making films kind of figuring it out at home doing a lot of bad acting doing a lot of bad um, filmmaking in general but uh, we kind of gradually got a bit better and um, so I guess it was a bit of a windy path and um, so it was kind of our mid-20s before we kind of picked it up again um, and kind of started gradually moving towards it and we made a couple of shorts and that kind of then led us on to making Lakelands a couple of years later. And Patrick, talk us through your your shorts then as well, because I know obviously drifting was a, a huge um, moment for the growth of Lakelands. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. I think, um, you know, as, as Rob mentioned there, we we, we we made some, we made a couple of bad shorts originally and, and, and there was a lot of bad acting involved in it. But I think that was definitely the, the, the beginning of, of of the journey towards drifting because we realized um through that process that we needed to bring in really experienced and, and, and talented collaborators. Um, and I think, you know, on our first short then Angels Gardy, we um were lucky enough to get a really, really, you know, exceptional crew and, and a really strong cast. And it was the first time working with our um longtime DOP Simon Crow. Um and then that gave us even more confidence then to to actually make something that was that little bit more personal, which was drifting. And it was very much, I suppose, set in our hometown. It was set in a world that we knew very well. And it was in a roundabout way based on our friend group. Um, and that and that absolutely did kind of act as a bit of a proof of concept for Lakelands. And it gave us confidence that you know, the world that we've grown up in, the world that we've kind of known our whole lives is uh, is quite fertile ground, I suppose. And um, the Midlands in general haven't really been depicted and haven't really been depicted. So um, I think we kind of felt that we'd kind of struck on something interesting and something worth kind of further exploration. And um, yeah, and that kind of, as I said, just gave us confidence to go on to um, build that world out into the feature script that was Lakelands. And um 
yeah, then we were lucky enough to get the the wonderful Lane and Danny involved. And rest, and when you guys um when you made um drifting, did you have the intention of growing it into a feature, or did it just then kind of happen, kind of naturally grow into it? Um, so it's kind of a thematic predecessor in that it's kind of not really the same story or the same characters, but it's got a lot of the same themes of the world yeah. and a lot of the style. So I guess it's kind of probably the pinpoint where we kind of found our voice in what we wanted to make. But we kind of like, I suppose it's very different. Like in that drifting is very much kind of about early 20s, kind of reckless use. And this is kind of the, the far end of the 20s when people are getting a little bit more contemplative, um, like examining things and looking at like bringing in questions of immigration, the effects of that and identity and stuff like that that maybe aren't as quite as apparent when you're in that kind of first rush of youth. So I guess it's kind of more where we kind of found the voice of where we wanted to focus on. And then also just finding it really reassuring that um, it gained some traction and that it was set in our hometown. And, you know, these were the characters and, you know, we're from a very small town. And it was just kind of reassuring to get that uh, buy-in from festivals and audiences and just to see that there was kind of interest in our, our little corner. And, you know, it's unique kind of. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think it is. I love that you said that, that because it, it is so important to find your voice as a creative in general. So I think that that you guys kind of, you know, made loads of different work and then kind of searched for it. And then once you found it, then kind of really locked into it and and, and honed that, which uh, which you guys have done beautifully. It's a really, really gorgeous film. Um, and then, yeah, and then I guess, I mean, getting these guys on board. So what was the, your casting process like? Had you come across um any of Aina or Danielle's work before um or did you just kind of put it out there and see what happens yeah been following them both for for years really uh I think I seen Aina in, a, in the Lear in the play actually when he was back there as far as back then um I'd seen loads of Danny's uh short films and I'd seen her on stage a couple of times so I kind of thought both of them were like just really talented and we always said that like they'd done so much different uh, roles and kind of they they showed off their how versatile they were because I guess they're the both of their characters kind of go through the ringer and like have to do a lot of just about everything in in this. So we were really keen to get people who were able to who had that versatility and were able to go through the full spectrum of emotions. Um, so yeah, we were absolutely delighted when we uh, we reached out and even better when we all got to meet up in in Longford and found we all got on well which was uh, always makes everything a lot easier so we had a great weekend down in Longford uh, workshop in the script with Lorcan Cranich came down as well and um, yeah so I've been following them for years so it was really great to uh, to get them on board for it. And Aina what was your um, what was your kind of first reaction when you first read the script? Um, I, I was struck by how I guess I, I think w w like a misconception sometimes like you think actors kind of want the big starry big huge studio films and like really what you want is a brilliant independent film script that is has that real like ring of truth and authority on it and as soon as I read it I just felt like it had that you know I was like these guys clearly are writing about you know a place they know deeply and have the bravery to do that in, um, in a subtle way and not draw attention to uh, their own talents and and what they're trying to say and the mess and any kind of anything underlying the film. 
they just they let the film speak for itself and the script did that for me as soon as i read it i thought this is like this is fertile ground for an actor because there's just so much going on for these characters and it's all under the surface and you know especially on screen that's the opportunity you want to get you know the the, the chance to have a character who's got all that going on but isn't announcing it and i suppose um the script does that beautifully so i was like couldn't i couldn't get over my luck anyway to like that the lads reached out to me and and um i had no idea why or like what it was about <laughs> i kind of think there's that there's a bit of that dance where you're like is this do they just want to chat do they just want to have like kind of a, a sit down and go what do you think of the film and like do you have any thoughts or notes <laughs> but uh, like we spoke for about an hour over zoom summer of 2021 and i think i realized on that call that you know it was it was about having some kind of involvement in the film and yeah, I, I couldn't believe it. I was honestly, yeah, I was head over heels really with the thing. So gorgeous. And Danielle, what about you with with Grace as well? What was the kind of the draw for um for her character for you? Um, I think initially when I read the script, similar to Aina, um, I just fell in love with it straight away because of all the like the showing and not telling that the boys were doing. It felt very authentic and very confident. And uh, and I would say the same of Grace, like she felt very authentic and, and very confidently written. I think that I had had lots of like interesting, like serendipitous or happy coincidences in terms of Grace's life and my life at that time. Um, like she was a nurse in Stratford and I was living in Stratford in England and there's lots of little funny things like that that were happening. Um, but yeah, I just felt very close to her and her like her struggle to get away i think it's something that a lot of a lot of irish creatives in general have felt like sometimes you don't feel necessarily supported by our hometown so um we feel the need that we need to like go across the pond or go elsewhere to try and to try and make a life and i think that that's um that's like a very real feeling for a lot of us especially in our the generation that we're in i'm not going to tell you my age <laughs> but, um, <laughs> But yeah, so I found that that was very real and very true. And then the trying to return to home quite, quite poignant because I'm such a home bird and I've such pride of place and I've um, like will fight for Dublin till the death. Um, and I think to feel that um, Grace's disconnect from that, I felt intensely sad. Mm. Um, but I think, again, it's a it's a feeling that we've all had of that feeling of feeling out of place um, and not knowing where your place is and trying to find that. So I think again that's something that ties Grace and Keen together as well so that was another thing I loved that the boys did that it seemed like all the characters although they're going through different experiences they all were speaking to a central theme which meant that you know they're all kind of mirrors for the plot line and mirrors for each other so which is another thing I just really loved I found that that was like very elegantly done mm -hmm. um, and then also I just think that she's absolutely the friend that we all need like she just takes no bullshit and she Ultimately, yeah, if she could only take her own advice, I guess, as again, was another thing that I felt very like, whoo, I know that feeling. <laughs> um, I see that in a lot of my friends as well. So, yeah, I think I just loved her because she felt so um, imperfect and real and flawed. And and she is um, as much as she is, you know, very much a heartbeat of the piece, like she has her own stuff going on, which is always important for female leads to have their own lives. Um, and also, uh, yeah i had a, like a weird thing as well with my granddad and the piece like my granddad's from Cavan and played ga and was a farmer and moved to the big city and had to go back and all this kind of stuff so i was having lots of little like interesting connections where um where again which made the story just feel all that more real to me it really i love that you've mentioned that as well because i actually don't think it's really talked in enough about 
when we move away and then we come back. And I think particularly with Dublin as well, because Dublin is always so rapidly changing all the time. Like every time you come back, it feels different to kind of never because it's just growing so much. And I think as well, like you come home, but then you might necessarily feel like you're at home because you're trying to create another home. But then also you feel like that place has changed. But then also you've changed because you're in a different place and you are going through different things as well. Um, so I think, yeah, I think it it kind of really subtly showed the that kind of internal struggle that people who move away and come back to um, really go through, which I really, really loved. Um, but speaking about hometown, I mean, as you said, you shot it in your hometown. Um, and Robert, what was it like having something, just having something tangible for people who like love and support you to get behind and get like get involved with? Because another you know, way, sometimes it's always as creatives, you know, it's like I'm making this or I'm working on this and everyone's like, oh, yeah. And then when they can actually be involved and kind of see it happen in, in front of them, I'd say that was just such a great feeling. Yeah, absolutely. It was amazing. Like um, it would have only been possible shooting it in, in our hometown with that support. Because, you know, it was quite an ambitious script. There's a lot of locations. There's a lot a lot going on. And to have that support where you can just give a shout and go, yeah, come on into the local bar, no bother. Come on down to the football pitch. We'll, we'll talk out for you. Um, it makes all the difference. Like when, And it really gives it that kind of production value and that sense of scale. So um, it was amazing. And, yeah, obviously there's never been really a film made in our town. So there was kind of... Just a great buzz around the place uh, from from the start when all these, they see this convoy of cars going around to uh, location to location. And, you know, we had a couple of gatherings, um, you know, in the local the local pub in John V's. And, you know, I think half the town would, would pile in for the crack and there was sing songs and all the rest. So it gave it a great buzz. And it was just kind of like in one of those gaps of COVID. So there hadn't been a lot of going on at all. Um anywhere really but like particularly in you know our our small town so it was kind of a great uh, little injection of excitement in the town and um yeah it was uh, it was great fun like and you know we then we had a screening then in Longford uh which we we always said was kind of the big acid test then because you're in trouble if you're uh if uh if yeah uh, they'll tell you they'll, they'll be <laughs> yeah. honest yeah but uh yeah so they it, it was a great it was great crack you know and there was there's a lot of cameos from local people. So, you you know, there was shouts going up in the cinema every time a familiar face popped up <laughs> and all the rest. So, that uh, no, was great. Such such fun. And Patrick, Robert kind of briefly mentioned there about COVID. What was, was that kind of, I mean, that's a huge thing that a lot of filmmakers on their first feature don't have to, to face. So, was there any kind of massive challenges that came along with that? Yeah, like, um, I think it was very much front of mind basically throughout the whole kind of pre-production shoes and um yeah like it, it was it was it was definitely um front of mind without a without a shadow of a doubt I suppose um you know if myself or Robert or Ian or Danny or, or any of the kind of key crew or cast got COVID you know the whole thing was shutting down and I suppose we had so much invested in this and like myself and Robert had quit our jobs we'd <laughs> you know, finance this, we pieced together finance, financing through a number of kind of small funding, uh, local local funds, um, and we'd also funded it in part through our, our company. So we we had all our all our chips on the table with this. Mm-hmm. Um so I think um 
COVID was the boogeyman um, in the room at, at, at all times, for sure. And um, we actually shot um, a large portion of it in uh, my family home, my parents' house. So I think in the middle of COVID, when no one was inviting anyone into their home and it was like, you know, I'll, I'll chat to you at the front door with, you know, six feet apart. We had like the guts of 40 people piling into the house. And um, it was definitely a surreal experience, but it was also... It was wonderful uh, to an extent as well, because, you know, after a period of being so distant from people and from not having the opportunity to go to the theatre, to watch that play, to to sit in the cinema, even for some people, you know, to have the opportunity to create this collaborative and energetic environment in, in, in literally in between lockdowns was just amazing. And I think... Mm. It came. It was so timely as well because it, it, it. I think everyone. It was just this kind of outpouring of enthusiasm because we'd been deprived of this thing that we all love to do for so so long, um. So yeah, it was definitely a tightrope, and we had an amazing COVID officer, and and you know, um, there was definitely someone looking down on us from above because we managed to keep it out in the middle of Omicron, which was like you know. Oh my god, the, the pressure to take those yeah, vitamins every day. Sure. <laughs> yeah, there, there was a there was a lot of pressure around it, but um it 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 was definitely advantageous as well because we had to to shoot a a, a nightclub scene in the middle of it and um people hadn't been to a nightclub for like a year and a half, so we got a massive crowd in for, <laughs> for that particular one. So we I think just overall people just hadn't had the opportunity to to you know meet up and be involved in a community-based project which this very much was and um I think um because of that you know we we ended up getting just even more support from the community than we than we might have got otherwise yeah. if it was you know if the world was open and there was so much going on anyway we mightn't have got that so um it worked out in our favor but yeah it was a tight rope to walk for sure Absolutely. Well, it looked very, very smooth, I have to say, especially the nightclub sequence. Um, <laughs> but you briefly mentioned there about um the fact that you shot it on your in your home and on your home farm. Um, Aina, did you have any prior uh farming experience at all or um or did it just come natural? No, I, I was one of those people who, you know, you talk about farming and you you're you're sort like kind of making it up as you go along I realized until I had met like one of my best mates is a dairy farmer and I spoke to him before doing the film and then I came down for a few days and um and uh Patrick's dad Porrick showed me around for a day or two which was huge huge help um but like until then I'd realized I was just talking so much shite about <laughs> pretending to know what I was talking about and I didn't know my dairy farm for my tillage and all this you know what I mean so like by the time I actually I spent Kind of two days of Porik going through the kind of daily routine, I guess. And um, and apart from just being invaluable for, you know, having to then do that on screen, I, I just really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed, you know, getting to work that way and getting to kind of see that side of life. And um, yeah, so it, it was it was brilliant because then obviously it's a working farm. So when we were filming, you, you kind of just roll with the punches of whatever's going on that day or whatever's happening on screen. Like, you know what I mean? Whatever. Um, and, and I, I always think the more you can have of that on a film set, the better, because it just keeps it organic. You know, the more you can do things sort of in play and practically and for real, um, it just, 
yeah, it, it kind of, it takes you out of yourself actually. And it puts you in the, the, you know, the story and the thing you're doing. Um, so apart from just being good for the authentic authenticity and the look of the film, it really helps the, you as an actor, I think to be in that, you know, real environment. So yeah, I've, I've hard to thank for that. Really. He, he was, he was phenomenal. Um, and he was the kind of consultant throughout the thing as well, you know. Um, we've probably talked about this bit before, but there was some, there was some very live sequences in that film. <laughs> some very, uh, there were some very big surprises. Um, that you know we didn't know, uh, we didn't know that calving scene was going to happen, but uh, you know, we got lucky one day. I have wanted to make a cameo. Yeah, I have wanted to make a cameo. They picked <laughs> the right moment, and uh, it was down then to the quick thinking of the lads and. Uh, Simon Crow, our brilliant DOP, and and Porrick to just go throw all this shit out of the way, get the camera in, get him in, and and go for it and see what happens. So like that was the spirit of the film, and and like you're, it's you know I hope I really hope I get to work in that way again because mm. it's just it it just feels very very yeah it feels very special very very alive and kicking you know. Well, yeah, like, I mean, farming doesn't wait for anyone. Do you know what I mean? You can't, like, organise anything around it, you know. And I think, yeah, I I love that that was... Uh, I just love the idea of you all going, like, oh, quick, get the camera out. <laughs> um, because it, it... But it did... If I, the film really gave a feeling of a fly-on-the-wall effect. Um, and, you know, sometimes the best directors are the ones who've dabbled in acting um, and know and understand what it's like to be on the other side of the camera. Um, and everything just felt really comfortable watching it. Um, so I think it's 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 really great that you guys had that that um energy of just like just just see just go go with it and 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 did the Robert did the script change that much from when you when you guys first wrote it to kind of nearly your finished pro- um product or did it kind of stay true to what it was originally the whole time? Um, so we had quite a structurally it kind of st- kept quite similar, but um. We were lucky enough to get a bursary from the Backstage Theatre in Longford, um, as I mentioned there, to bring uh, Danny and Aina and Lorcan down. And um, I think we really coloured in the the backstories and really enriching the script through that. Um, it's like a big part of our process is to do that and to like have have actors come down and you know we really do invite them to kind of to bring bring what they can and just to talk everything out and really you know tease out the, the the histories of these characters and just go as deep as we possibly can and so I would say that it kind of was in in terms of uh, sequencing and structurally it was kind of quite similar but we brought um, a whole other uh, element to it through that I think it was I think Danny has a better metaphor for it than me but there's the film that's iceberg that's underneath the film and uh, you only see a little bit above and there's a lot of it below and I guess we were building out a lot of that and I think that all, all really helps when you're uh, come to shooting it then as well because you know you've had a lot of really deep conversations about this and you know we feel like the actors kind of a sense of ownership then on the characters and you know the, the decisions are very aligned with what we were kind of you know hoping for so it was it was a great uh process but um yeah it really did help enrich and strengthen the script that process and you know the guys contributed so much to that 
I think it, but that's so rare like that because I mean um, Danielle like so many other things it's just show up on the day and point and shoot and you know you've never met the person in front of you nearly before and so I'd say that was such a joy to get to meet and hang out and flesh out stuff and because I know like you're doing a lot of TV at the moment and I can imagine that that's really just kind of there's a super big like strong pace to that and you, you know time and budget and everything like that so um, I'd say that was really, really special to kind of get to to do that with the lads prior to shooting like Lance. Yeah, absolutely. And I think like when you have time now, I mean, when it came down to it, we didn't have a lot of time when mm. we were filming. So that was um, to be able to have yeah. the third kind of week was really instrumental and kind of like priceless when it came to the whole thing, because that was what, like July or August, and we didn't shoot until November. So like essentially we'd created these characters into like fully formed humans in Longford in that development. And then they live with you, do you know, like until you're filming. So they kind of, you take them out on your 24 hours and like they're in, they're like in the back there, he lives in you. Sorry, quoting the Lion King. But, um, but, you know, they do, they are, I felt that Grace was then live for a period of time until we got to literally bring her to life on screen. So that in, in having that time period of that like maceration and that like incubation time is like really, really a gift and very, very rare. Um, and then also, yeah, to be included, to have your voice included and to, to be able to, because it's that thing of like, you know, when you meet someone at a party, like you might not know anything about them you know certain things about them you get to know them I feel like it's the same with characters like all my characters are just in a little party and some of them I know really well and some of them I don't at all Mm -hmm. and like the newer ones that I've just met so it felt like Grace was just like at the party for ages so then Mm -hmm. I knew her quite deeply and quite um yeah on a very like profound level which was lovely um and I think that's another like testament to the lads then as well on the day yeah you're right like tv does move a pace and it's brilliant because like you have directors who can like edit as they go and that's that's a really exciting energy to be around and you have to make very great decisive decisive decisions or cool articulate um but very decisive choices i guess um in the moment and that's a really like that can bring out amazing stuff but i think that what was so special about this film is that we didn't have a lot of time but we never felt I never felt like rushed or anything like that. And there was always room and space for organic things to grow and to happen. For example, the calving scene, there was space for that. There was space for, yeah, us to kind of, even though we knew the scenes, to find them again each time. And that was like really beautiful. And also, again, couldn't have happened if we didn't have the whole support of the community behind us. Um, Cannot reiterate that enough to have um, basically to have Granard as your landscape for this film and, and all the people in it um, was really special. And it also felt like um, like the weather was with us as well. There was like a weird, as you say, that we were protected from COVID. We got really lucky. It was like there was some kind of feature film gods looking down on us, kind of protecting our experiences there. Um, so yeah, I've forgotten what the question is now I'm just talking. No, you answered it beautifully. Um, I felt really felt like there was an element of the feeling of being stuck um in the film um being stuck in one place or in one career or in one role maybe even in your family or a friend group or in your community um and I guess I wanted to ask not to turn it into a therapy session but I mean you know go for it but has there ever been a moment in your life where you felt stuck um 
And if so, what was the thing that made you kind of snap out of it or make a change? Because I know, Rob, you were saying there that like yourself and Patrick were in, you were in finance and PR and, you know, um, yeah. Has there ever been that kind of time in your life where you felt a bit stuck? Yeah, yeah. for us, it's definitely, it's definitely exactly that point, you know, when we were kind of, you know, working very long hours up in, in the city, like when we'd meet up in the evenings, like it'd be sometimes half seven or something when you get out and, you know, you can, it can kind of be a little bit uh, difficult if you're, you have that creative, uh, you know, need and you, you really need to scratch that and nurture that and, you know, it can be quite stifling as well when you're use, you utilizing a lot of your energy um, and your creative energy, especially in my field where I would be doing a lot of writing and I feel you only have so much capacity to do writing. It's kind of hard to come home after a day of writing press releases and write a script, you know. So I definitely felt a little bit uh, at that point for me, it was definitely I just felt the natural kind of pull to to change things. And that's when we kind of started getting a little bit more ambitious about our our business and setting up the company, Harp, our company Harp Media, and like trying to find an alternative way. And um, then that became a vehicle to kind of facilitate the films. And from there, I guess that was kind of what got us a little bit freed up from that initial kind of period of feeling a little bit, bit hemmed in and stuck. And Patrick, what about you? Yeah, for sure. And I think, um, just as Rob said, I think that was something that we, an experience that we definitely lived and experienced. And, and I think, you know, just to relate it back to the script that little bit, and mm. um, I think that you know myself and Robert grew up playing football. I played senior football for almost twelve years. I've I've recently just uh, retired in the last few months, so I, I'm definitely relating more to the character of Kean, uh, more and more every day as I as I start to kind of miss miss that world and the camaraderie and the possibility of winning a championship. I suppose, but um. I suppose just back to your question around like that 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 feeling of 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 being stuck and I think for us you know sometimes you can you know when you have your identity wrapped up in something that is beyond your control and that begins to get undermined or taken away or um overshadowed you can start to feel stuck because you're not progressing in that version of yourself that perception of yourself that you've spent so long kind of building up um, mm. and creating not to get into too much of a therapy session here but um, like, and like I, I think that you know you know that was something that really attracted us to this story in particular because so oftentimes the GA is portrayed as you know you know summer days in Crow Park and winning championships and the reality of grassroots GA football couldn't be further from that and so many young men spend so much of their lives committed to this cause and it's it's such a noble cause you know it's they're fighting for their community they're they're fighting for their families and and, and that notion or idea gets reinforced again and again over the course of years and years and it's it's almost impossible for your identity not to get wrapped up in it because it's so all-encompassing you um, it's obsessive to a point because you're doing it four or five times a week, you know, you're you're so committed to it and, and it affects people around you. It affects your, you know, partner in particular because it's, it's they're they're usually the ones that that suffer or your close friends because they don't get to see you and you have to say no to all these things. So 
Um, and that's all well and good when you're achieving, but I think when you're not achieving or when, like the character of Key, and you get this injury that stops you from pursuing that further, um, you do start to feel stuck. And and I think that's why it's so important to have someone like Danny's character, Grace, come in to just, you know, I don't know, I suppose open a window to the rest of the world and to be like, hey, there's a big massive world out there and you know you have so much to offer outside of this thing and um i think that was something that we were interested by and, and something that we wanted to just portray a little bit um but yeah i hope i've answered your question you have you really really have um and i know what about you especially as you know as an actor i feel like sometimes our identity we just have no idea who we are or where we're going sometimes it's it's like that as well like Patrick said when it's not in your own hands sometimes it can be hard to 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 take the reins a little bit yeah and and like who are you outside of just the thing that you do and mm. um like I suppose like like Keen and probably like all of us here you know what I mean you've got a a passion and a love for something that is kind of you know all consuming you, you know he with Keen, he loves playing football he, and and I think when that's sort of taken out of your hands, um, it can be really frightening, but also, uh, I guess, hopefully liberating as well to realize like who you are outside of that and that there's a whole kind of like, um, there's a whole world right in front of your eyes that you might not be you know you might not be aware of when you're in the kind of doldrums and I think for me um this story and making this kind of film what it revealed to hopefully everything you do like every job you do reveals something to you that you're not really aware of going into it and I, it was I think it was you guys and and a conversation with you Danny really that brought this out was like a lot of what's happening for Grace and Keen is 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 them sort of slowly kind of looking up and and um, seeing the world around them, the kind of the joy and the beauty of that, and the kind of the, the relationships they have, and the many brilliant things in their lives outside of the kind of the kind of moment that they're stuck in, um, and that might sound very sort of trite or on the nose, but like I, I kind of think that's a that's a like an amazing kind of revelation for anyone to go through and. Um, I certainly had moments like that, you know, from, from I, I guess, again, to connect to the story, like in, in my own life, I guess, realizing that, um, realizing that the sort of the joy of what you do is the most important thing, you know, and I think the times when I've gotten really stuck in career wise or otherwise, it's, I've sort of forgotten to have fun and to enjoy the actual doing of the thing and to be focusing on something six months down the line or three months down the line or, or whatever, or the, the end product, you know, what's the film going to look like or what's the job going to be like, or, or how do I get here? And, uh, you know, again, to take it back to this film, um, the making of this was just as, just as important as the end product. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? We had such a positive time doing it that I think that's got to be, as important if not more to you than what's going to you know come out in nine months time um and that was the biggest thing that I, I kind of 
you know getting unstuck from myself that was the that was the biggest thing I learned was like actually just prioritize enjoying what you do mm-hmm. and then and and the rest will hopefully follow you know absolutely and Danielle what about you um yeah I mean uh, like hold a candle to everything the lads have said there 100 percent. and then I think yeah like obviously not to make a therapy but you know this film is intensely cathartic I I feel and I, and I remember reading it and feeling having an intense feeling of catharsis um I think we obviously it was just pre-omicron but it had been post all the other ons and um and I think what I'd learned through COVID as an actor was that I was kind of you get kind of taking care of my body like it was someone else's houseplant then they were away and I might, they might come back. So, but, so I better water it and clean its leaves in case they want to know how it's doing or looking. And I was like, it was just kind of bizarre. Um, this bizarre feeling that I had no idea about what I wanted my house plan to look like. Wow, metaphors. Um, but um, but yeah, just in that, like uh, when you're when the acting was taken away, uh, what was left? And I realized that like my job had become my identity. You know, it was the first thing you said is like, I am an actor. So, well, no, I'm Danielle actually first, and then I do acting sometimes. Um, but, uh, but yeah, and I think that that was what spoke to me in the script was that these Keen, obviously mainly, but also Grace have these jobs where they become your identity instead of something that you do. And I think that was like for Grace as a nurse and coming home and and being a nurse again to her dad, and then also kind of being a caregiver to Key, and like um, that had all been. Um, when, when, and Keen as well, like that with uh, farming and Ga and everything like that, like when your identity is taken away, your self-worth, you definitely go into like a crisis of self-worth because you're like, what's my purpose? What am I, what, what is my reason for being? And what am I entitled to? Like, what am I worth on this, in this world or in this planet? And I found that to be, that really hit home for me because it was something that I had definitely been struggling with throughout COVID and, and was in a place of, you know, you listen to all the podcasts and self-help books and whatever you can do, but, um, I'd gotten to a place where it's like your purpose is existence enough or sorry your existence is purpose enough don't get that the wrong way around um but yeah like your existence is purpose enough like we in the like western society are so career driven and and so driven by what we're going to achieve and what we're going to do that day and um and there's other cultures where there isn't that mentality and you you actually just exist like a plant or like a tree or like a flower and the beauty of you existing is is that's kind of it that's your purpose you're you exist like nature exists just like a tree just to be there and be part of the ecosystem and that was what became really apparent to me in this script towards the end and i just think that's like one of the most beautiful messages that you can give like just because you haven't achieved today or you know you don't have an ambition or a goal right now doesn't mean that you're not entitled to like your existence and and that shouldn't shake your self-worth and that was what i think they find by the end um, through each other, which is so, so special because y- it's only something that you can find through someone else or like me reading podcasts and self-help books. But um, but yeah, so I just thought that was very beautiful. That's what I got from it. Definitely. And I think that was, I people need to pay for this podcast now, I feel. <laughs> um, I'll also be sending over um, an invoice to all of you guys after this as well. You're right. <laughs> um, but um. I just feel like buy me a pint there. You might need to change the title, but I think just <laughs> trim it to the last four minutes. <laughs> publish that. Taking my job. People <laughs> are plants. <laughs> um, our next question is: What plant do you think you all are? <laughs> um, <laughs> the only house plant I've ever gotten. 
uh, was in front of me and it's absolutely in ruins and dead and in the bin now. So like, <laughs> I needed that. <laughs> well, I'm pretty sure I killed a cactus at one point. So anyway, we'll move on from that one. Don't Very know hard to kill a cactus. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel like, um, Danielle, you kind of briefly touched on it there. I feel like there's definitely a theme of like, attack in the film be it like physical attack or ego or identity um and then when those things are kind of taken away that you really have to look for your purpose um and I also love the I really really enjoyed the platonic relationship between um Keen and Grace like obviously there's really beautiful moments between the two of them that give like a satisfying feeling to the audience where they can go mm, I wonder but at the core of it, I think we actually don't see enough platonic relationships. Um, And I love that she just kind of came in and didn't like come in to like uproot his life or anything, but just came in to kind of, as Patrick was saying, to kind of be like, you know, there's more out there, by the way. um, And and don't forget about that. Um, I also kind of felt like alcohol was like nearly another character in the film. Um, and I think it was... <laughs> You know, it definitely hints towards the drinking culture that we have and that we struggle with, but that we don't really admit that we struggle with. Um, uh, Robert, was that kind of uh, an element of the film that you subtly kind of wanted to have in there for people to maybe go, hmm, I wonder if that's kind of reflects maybe my friend group or my life or 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 how I deal with things. Do I kind of turn to the pints or or that kind of thing? Yeah, like. I think we just wanted to try and keep it as true to life as possible. And, you know, growing up, it was always kind of that, uh, it was kind of an always a pre- present, you know, on, you know, obviously in all our society, accompanies nearly everything. But uh, particularly, you know, when you're young, it's it's even more so. And, you know, that was, with Keen in particular, we were like, he has a lot of cr- crutches, I suppose, that kind of, prevent a little barrier for him and you know be it alcohol be it deflecting with humor and um, he has a lot of these kind of little uh crutches that kind of stop him from really interacting with what's really you know out there so i guess yeah we we did just want to look at it in an as honest a way as unflinching as a way not really passing judgment as much as just showing it as 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 it is there and it, it really is prevalent and like I think people can kind of draw their own con- conclusion on on it like but um, I suppose Keen himself does identify that a little bit uh, later on in the film when he's kind of realizing you know don't want to go into too much with the, with the spoilers or anything if, if people haven't seen it yet but I suppose he kind of goes on his own little miniature journey while it with that while it's not kind of in the exact foreground of the film it's definitely kind of a prevalent part but ultimately yeah we just wanted to kind of keep it as honest to the world that we grew up in that we know and like it's just such a major part of it like we felt it would have been dishonest kind of not to depict it yeah no definitely I think it was it was really important no no go on ahead Daniel I think like yeah exactly what Rob said like there's so many things in that film for me that are like yes they're literally he is drinking a lot but also they speak to like a different kind of again theme in the play or in the play in the film um like the culture of damage and like for me like the alcohol not necessarily the alcohol is the problem but like the behavior of damage and of doing damage to yourself of seeking fights in cavern of you know um all the things that keen is doing that are just he's kind of self-destructing 
a little bit. And I think that, again, just speaking to their relationship, like, you know, for me, it was always that message of you can damage yourself in so many different ways, but if you damage yourself, then you're damaging those around you. And I think that's so beautifully shown by kind of the foils to Keen's character, like, like Sparky and like, um, like Lorcan's character and my character and stuff like that. Like you can see their, their pain. Mm -hmm. And also you can see that it's even more poignant, I think, because you can see the ability for Kean's care and how he cares for the animals and how he's there for Grace in the, in the, in the 11th hour when she actually really needs him. He just stands there in the room and listens to her and that's all she ever needed. It was a sure thing. But, um, but I think that's what makes it all the more sad because you see how much pain he can cause himself, but then how his, his potential and capability for care. And if only he could turn that inwards, well, then there wouldn't be. But anyway, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I think it's, uh, it's, it's, yeah. And as you said, Robert, that, that clutch, I think, um, you know, it, it, that clutch really, it really showed that really poignantly. Um, another really important thing for me in in the film was the the vulnerability that we see between Keen and his dad, um, uh, which I will just never forget seeing for the first time. It was just it was such a beautiful scene, and like that, I don't really want to. I kind of wanted to talk about the film as a as a general, as opposed to kind of going through it, you know, bit by bit, because I do really want everyone to see it. Um, I don't want to spoil it for anyone, but the yeah, I mean the the scene between Keen and his dad, um was just it was just so important I think to see more uh more uh scenes like that because like like that with the platonic relationships as well we don't see enough um kind of father and son vulnerable moments or even the scene with um with Bernie and Keen in the shed where he's just kind of checking in checking in on him and I think it's just I I think we can never we can never have too many examples of a phone call or a check-in does the world of good um and um yeah Aina what was that like to kind of to to go through that journey with Keen? I guess from like again credit to credit the writing the like it was never I felt um unrealistic or taking a certain angle it was true those characters the blend and then the actors you're working with, like, uh, you know, Lorcan was uh, there during that rehearsal in, in July for the two days. And he, he's a remarkable actor and someone who, who I guess gets can get underneath what's kind of going on a relationship very, very quickly. Um, and he's just said a couple of really brilliant things that unlock things for me. I, I mean, I learned so much from from everyone I worked with on this. And one of the big things he said was, you know, we're, we sort of, we've lived together in this house for a long time, going through similar rituals. And we kind of, you know what I mean? We we, we, we almost can communicate sort of psychically and, and without saying anything for for so much of our lives. So I guess to, to have kind of, to have that relationship and then a moment where maybe you're forced to, to look at each other for the first time was um again I just thought true to those characters and not embellishing anything or, or lifting mm. the levels too too much. So that was brilliant because um yeah that that like I'm I'm very grateful that that it was done in that way, you know. And um yeah I like you asked me I guess what the kind of what it was like tracking that story or that journey. Um yeah, prob probably very cathartic, like that. Like Danny was saying earlier with the character, you know, I guess 
Dean has those moments um, without getting too much into it with his with his father, with his coach, played by Gary Lydon brilliantly, and um, with Doc and Sparky, and uh, every every one of the those actors, like we we all spent a lot of time talking about you know the nature of those relationships, the nature of these friendships, the history of their backstory, um. So when the time came to it, it kind of feels like you have lived a bit of a life and it kind of feels like, you you know, you do have this kind of wealth of like, I don't know, memories and kind of story with these characters. So it, it was, yeah, it was, they were a joy to play those scenes. And um, and I like as well how I guess they were all very different, you know, d- d- you know the, the, the male friendship versus the kind of coach and uh, relationship versus the father and son relationship. They all have very different sort of um, kind of textures and rules, and um, I I just I enjoyed doing them immensely because I never felt like they were pushed too much mm. in one direction. I felt yeah. like they were they were just true to how those characters would communicate. You know. Yeah. No, I I genuinely think that you guys did something uh, really important and special there in in regards to those um, male relationships. Um, so your first big, uh, your first feature, uh, Patrick and Robert, what is kind of, do you have one major thing that you learned from making uh, Lakelands that you're going to now bring into all of the amazing uh, other films that you're going to make? Any big kind of filmmaker life lessons? Yeah, great question. Um, where to begin, I suppose. Um, I suppose uh, being this end of the process, you realize just how little you knew mm. uh, before you made it and how naive and inexperienced we actually were. <laughs> um, but with that said, I suppose you need that naivety, I suppose, and that, um, yeah, I suppose, that can be a real strength because you just jump into it and you surround yourself with good people and... Um, you know, I I, I, I think cre- genuine creativity can come from that. I think when you overplan something, I think it can um, it can inhibit that um, that nurturing um, environment. But I think to answer your question, like we just we 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 knew it before, but I think it definitely reinforced the idea that you know you are only as good as the people around you, as the the collaborators that you bring. Um, into the project and myself and Robert have like the utmost respect for actors uh, probably from our failed attempt at doing it and you realize just how like brave and um, strong you need to be to stand there and you know bring what is a 2D piece of work to life you know and a script is only a blueprint and um you know, we we definitely knew that going in that this was gonna rest on the shoulders of Danny and Anna, and um, they just brought it to life so beautifully, and and there was such a collaborative process throughout from the jump when we actually you know workshop the script to um you know developing that shadow play that Danny always talks about that that deep backstory, um, and I suppose to answer your question, the, the real kind of takeaway for us was the importance of um getting actors on board that are eager and willing to invest the time to create um 
characters that feel lived in that have that are willing to go back 10 years and, and figure out you know what happened on the Debs night and all these little things that on the surface may seem insignificant, but they actually help to create um, a bond between us all that when we're on set and we're trying to make this thing in 17 days and, and we have like minutes to get a, a scene down, like Danny could say, I think this. And then we're like, yeah, that's exactly what Grace would do and, and vice versa with Anna. To create that sort of a collaborative environment is... Uh, is a real gift and it allows you to not only move extremely quickly, but create something that everyone feels very much a part of and everyone uh, is contributing to. So you're combining everyone's creative energies and not just, and not just then, um, I suppose, one or two people's creative energies, whether it be in front of the camera, behind the camera, I think everyone was very much on the same page. So definitely the takeaway is to, to try and replicate that environment by bringing in um, really, really talented collaborators like Diane in. Amazing. And Robert, what about you? Can you talk yeah, about I mean... <laughs> how, how does one talk that? But um, yeah, I think it's, it's the thing, a big thing we learned was definitely to, it's, it's more something we want, we'd hope to retain, I, just, I suppose, is to kind of keep that idealism going into it. Um, I think something we, we often said before is we wanted to make the film like this before we knew better. Uh, it was just a joke we used to always make and say, you know, let's get into it while we're still naive enough. Because, you know, you'd be, you'd be saying this to people and people would think you were a bit mad to be mm -hmm. planning all this. But uh, <laughs> but I think it, it's it's such a good way to do it. Like, you know, I've I've often read it's it's one of the best ways just to get a film is to, to decide it's going to, to happen by this date and it's amazing what the universe can then kind of provide for you and like we found it so much in terms of we just worked towards this and you know things just started to kind of kind of fall in place so I'd like really like to obviously it gets difficult as you go further into the industry and stuff but I'd really like to try and kind of retain that kind of idealism that we kind of went into this this one with. Amazing. And where can people see it? What's the journey for it now? Because it has gone on a massive journey already, which I do want to um, touch uh, on before we finish. But where um, where can people see it? When is it out? Yeah, so it's coming out in cinemas May 5th. Um, so it'll be quite wide in Ireland. And then there'll be a few screens, in, a few cinemas in the UK as well. Um, so that's kind of next opportunity. Amazing. And Patrick, uh, what, what has it been like going all over the world with it, I guess, for like this homegrown story? How has it been um, showing it to to like such a wide variety of audi audiences? Yeah, it's been um, it's been mad and surreal for sure. And um, I suppose when we met our, our last short drift and it was at the height of COVID when it came out. So we didn't really get that experience of you know, watching it with a live audience, it was all kind of done online. So then to have the chance to even just to screen it down and go with at the flat was just like that will live with us forever. Like it was one of the hottest days of the year and there was like a packed auditorium and, and that was just insane because it was it, it's such a, a small for us it's it's it is a small local story. It's 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 very much as we've said before based in our hometown and then to go to Galway and to see people who aren't from Longford and Granard reacting to it and, and saying, oh, that reminds me of, you know, my my small town down the country. And, and I just just 
being, being able to get that real-time feedback from people um, that are relating to it and maybe seeing things in the story that you didn't see when we were making it, it's just it's 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 such a, a wonderful experience but then to go to go over to the states to santa barbara and to have a similar experience there was just nuts i think we're still kind of processing it really when you've got like americans coming up you know and they're talking about how they might have had a concussion and how they left their small town to come to, to la and you realize that ah like there's a there's a universal element to this which is like it was definitely in our minds when we we wrote it we, we knew if we wrote something that was very kind of specific it, it, it there's always the chance it would travel but then to see kind of international audiences just relating to it is just it, it's amazing so um yeah it just makes you want to do it again you know it makes you want to like it, it's definitely inspiring in the sense that it makes you want to like get back to writing and to try mm. and create something else that might um, might do something similar but that it's been amazing well, I was lucky enough to be there at Galway and honestly, like I, the atmosphere was so electric at the time. It was you could really feel like something special was happening and it was it was I feel very grateful that I got to be there. And I remember coming onto the podcast with Jerry after um after Galway and us kind of chatting through loads of different films. And since then, I've been looking forward to having you on. So I'm so glad I finally got you on here and I could talk to you all day about this but because of the nature of the podcast and before you go I do want to ask if anyone has a favorite Irish film um and it can be the same film um or if there's also another film that has just had quite a big impact on your life so Danielle what about you um Frank Frank's my favorite Irish film um also maybe kind of similar to Lakelands now that I'm just thinking about it um I mean I love everything that Lenny's ever done but um but yeah, I just found it, I always remember that scene at the end when he takes the head off and the reality of the whole like kind of comedic fever dream that you've been in hit really hit me and I found it intensely sad and poignant and um and just interesting. And I love things where there's like a big yoke in the middle of it and you're like, what is this a metaphor for or something? Um, so yeah, I just love Frank so much. Um, and then film that had an impact on me, like I wouldn't necessarily say it's like my favorite film by any means, but mm. Mirror by Andrei Tarkovsky. I watched that a few years ago. I try to watch it every year as like a weird litmus test. I think I feel like um, I just feel like the all the different kind of mediums that he uses to explore the story and the generational gaps. And there's something very trippy about a younger woman and, and her older self sharing the screen um, and just the whole thing of, yeah, just like loads of the themes in it, like really speak to me. But I think it's kind of um vague enough sometimes in its construction that depending on where you're at in your life it will bring up different things for you and and I yeah so I find that like I find that really quite affecting and quite arresting about like the I suppose the potential of what film could be I think until up until then like I hadn't experienced much mm. um like foreign language film really at all when I watched it first so yeah it's something that I always kind of circle back to and be like where am I at where are we at with life mm -hmm. um and I think yeah, that one. Love it, love it. And Aina, what about you? I might have a, a three-part answer, if that's all right. Uh, <laughs> War, War of the Buttons initially was like a huge impact, influence on me. I remember it was like, had it on video and would watch it loads and loads because one of the guys in it had kind of grown up with my one of my brothers or something like that. And 
it felt like it, it had a huge impact on me because it was like that's a film that was made in Cork that um with people who you near don't know but kind of know and it brought the whole thing of like cinema brilliant cinema being able to happen where you're from and that excited me um i guess then uh, my my mom's a huge film fan and used to buy like rakes of dvds so there was just like every week she'd come home with three or four and we'd watch them and um garage again yeah garage was the probably the first time after yeah probably the first time i watched a film as a kind of going into my teen years where i was like this is I'm I'm getting something different from this film than I have from films before. You know, mm. I'm, I'm now I'm moved by this and kind of confused by it and enchanted by it. Um and that was never why I was, you know, watching films before then I suppose. Um and just incredible performances in very subtle writing. Um and then more recently I'm going to say Oslo August 31st by Oakum Trier. Um director who I worked at recommended it to me a couple of years ago and I was like stunned into silence for about an hour or two after I had just on my own in the flat watching it and um, yeah just it, probably the kind of filmmaking that I'm a fan of anyway and the kind of acting I'm a fan of yeah that's my that's my child, childhood to adult cinema history. Love it love it and Patrick yourself? Um, War of the Buttons was a great one, Aina, by the way. Um, that's brought back memories. But um, for me, um, the wind that shakes the barley, um, like I just grew up reading so much about Irish history, and I've always had just some massive interest in it. And it was the first time I'd seen that kind of era depicted, especially like outside. Of, obviously, Michael Collins is is very much Dublin based, whereas this was, mm. um, just that era depicted down the country and. Um, to to bring history to life, uh, from in, in in that personal way that Ken Loach did is just you see it very differently, and you you stop idea idealizing it to an extent because you realize this was, you know, way more brutal than we can even possibly imagine, and um, I suppose that just helped me kind of mature a little bit in terms of you know looking back and and, and seeing Irish history through a different lens, so. I think that one for me, and I think, um, yeah, outside of that, I, like just generally speaking, I think Blue Valentine for the same reason that Danny mentioned. Every time I watch it, I, I watched it as a younger man, and now I watched it more recently, and I was like, okay, now I see what's actually going on. So I think films that help you to do that, that have that, um, that ability are, I, I just love that. You know, you watch it again a few years later, and you're like, okay, it's a different film. Um, mm. so. Yeah, I love that. Robert, what about you? Um, for the Irish one, I'd go for Michael Inside, which uh, is just such a powerful piece of work. Um, David Flynn obviously is in Lakeland as well, and he's a good friend of ours, but totally independent of that. It's just such a such a powerful film. Uh, I remember seeing it in the IFI for the first time, and just everything from the way it's shot to the score is just, it's, it's really heartbreaking, but just it's so affecting. Um. And yeah, I feel like just, Michael in, inside should be shown in like every school as well in Ireland. Really, yeah, it's, so it's just incredible, yeah. Mm. And then for the one sudden effect, I would say um the last picture show um was one I saw when I was very young. So I guess it was kind of the first time it kind of clicked in my head. You know, it's about a very small town in Texas, and I was totally enthralled by that. And then it was kind of like 
got the wheels turning and as to maybe a story set in our town, you know, could have that wider resonance and could uh, appeal to people elsewhere around the world and kind of have the same effect, uh, experience I had with that film elsewhere. So I guess that was kind of a very inspirational and kind of starting to write about where we're from and kind of put that story out there. Love I love making lists of what everyone has said and then remembering films and I feel like War of the Buttons is gonna get a get a watch now over the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> well guys, I could talk to you for hours, but thank you all so much for coming on to talk to me. Um well, if I haven't said it once, I'll say it again. It's just such a beautiful film and congratulations on it. Um I hope it just does. I know it will do amazing. It already is. Um, so thank you for coming on to chat to me and we wish you all the best with all of your future successes and we hope to have you all on either together or or on your own um, very, very soon. And uh, yeah, see you very, very soon. So thanks a million, guys. Thank you. Thank you so much, Neve. Thank you. See ya.